We pray for our church family, individual and collectively. We pray that we be loving family, that we be a leaning pole. One won't be for leaning pole, one won't fall for the other. We pray that you will give us that love that runs from heart to heart. That we won't be so stubborn, so mean to ask each other for forgiveness. But we pray that you hide your word in our heart that we might not sin against thee. Or we pray for your Holy Spirit because we know if each of us have in us the Holy Spirit, you're going to be all right in heaven. We pray now, oh Father, for the preach word. We pray, oh God, that some will be said or done, that will bring somebody who will dwell in an unclean temple, will come crying out saying, what should I do that I might be saved? Oh, we lift you up and we magnify your name because your name is above all names. We pray, oh God, you give us strength for we're weak. Fill it up for we're toned down. Oh, Lord, look at you, our nursery home, oh, Father. Oh, Father, we know somebody needs you. We need each other. And we pray that you strengthen us and keep us together. Because you know that you're the way and the truth and the light. You said that no man is coming to you but by the Father. Oh, we magnify your name. No, Father, when we've done those things that you're lying our hearts and hands to do, we got to go in somewhere. We don't know where and where, but you know. For we ask you to welcome us home. Yo, good. Come on in, my good and faithful servant. That I have made you ruler over a few things, my brothers and my sisters. Come on in and be at rest. I will make you rule many. We ask in Jesus' name we pray amen and amen. Anybody know where your praise belongs to? Anybody know where your praise is supposed to go to? Well, it's time to pay your bill. It's time to pay your praise bill. Simple song says, Awesome God you are. Awesome God you are. Mighty deliverer. Mighty deliverer. You are my strength. Incredible God. Incredible God you are. You're my protector. You're my protector. And my defense. And my Every day. Your mercy. Your mercy endures. I live just to you. I love you. So I worship you. So I worship you. Now all my praise. All my praise. Belongs to you. Belongs to yes. you. Yes. Come on, lift your hands and tell them. 
really thankful this morning that thanksgiving belongs to God that worship belongs to God that hallelujah belongs to God everything that you got the breath in your body it, it belongs to God all that you are belongs it, if it had not been for the Lord on my side. Is there anybody here this morning who knows that if it had not been for God, I don't care how good you think you are, but if it had not been for God, it was the Lord who woke you up this morning. It was the Lord who kept you in your right mind. It was the Lord who gave you the activity of your limbs. It was the Lord who let you know what day and month and year it is. It was the Lord who put food on your table. It was the Lord who put clothes on your back. It was the Lord who allowed you to walk in here this morning. And if you got breath in your body, you ought not be too ashamed to give God the praise that is due his name. Now listen, without the microphones or anybody else, we're going to give the congregation a moment to just give him all the praise. Can you say it, congregation? All my praise belongs to you. All my praise belongs to you. All my praise belongs to you, oh God. our congregational hymn for the morning.
five, collecting clean and gently warm prom, formal, and pageant dresses. It's okay if you don't have a dress to donate because you can donate a gift card that helps to support this event. We will fill the closet here at Kate on Saturday, February the 15th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. I'm sure you've already bought your ticket for the Old School Review that is sponsored by the Kate Chapel Mission Ministry and held here at Cade on Friday, February the 28th at 7 p.m. in the Willie Wright Family Life Gym. If you and your crew have your moves together and you're ready to sign up, just drop by the Old Fellowship Hall after the 8 and the 11 o'clock worship services. This promises to be a fun-filled family event and we look forward to all of you joining us. Come walk down memory lane. Tickets are only $5 each and can be purchased in the Old Fellowship Hall. For more information, please contact Sister Francis Moody at 601-862-5015. Hey, gentlemen, just in case you haven't looked this far in advance, Friday, this Friday, is Valentine's Day, and we have the perfect gift idea for you. Buy her some chocolate and send her shopping. You can purchase her a seat for only $50 to the women's shopping trip to take place on April the 4th to the outlet shops of Grand River in Birmingham, Alabama. The Futures Ministry is still accepting graduate bioforms for individuals receiving degrees in higher learning from a college or university. The form can be downloaded from the K-Chapel app or obtained from any member of the Futures Ministry. The deadline for submission is March the 1st. The entire month of February, we are focusing on benevolence. Through your giving, K-Chapel is able to meet the needs of those whom we serve. When you give a little, God can do a lot. And when you give a lot, he can do much more. But you don't have to take my word for it. check your bulletins and the bulletin boards for additional announcements and upcoming community events and to share your ministry news with the K-Chapel family. Just send an email to kchapelannouncements at yahoo.com or you can go to the submit info tab on the K-Chapel app, but be sure to get your announcements in by noon on Tuesday of each week. Amen. Let the church say amen. Let's say amen again. We thank God for this day. This is the day that the Lord has made. We are rejoicing, and we're glad about it. Listen, there, there are a lot of things going on. Uh, we're in the midst of election time, and so registration is going on, caucusing is going on. But also, also, 
uh, we're, we're about to begin the whole census count for 2020. That begins uh, April 1st, I believe, is the deadline for, or the beginning uh, of that process. Kendra, if you will come now and give us some information. She is uh, with the Census uh, Department Bureau and uh, our representative here at Kay Chapel. And so if you will give us the pertinent information, let us know what we can expect. Is Rachel here, Rachel Mays? Rachel, are you? I don't think. Yes. Yes, there she is. Great. Okay, so good morning. My name is Kendra Wright. Thank you for your time. I'm happy to share uh, a few minutes of your time to begin the conversation, begin the conversation on the 2020 decennial census. So depending on the station you watch or listen to, you may have heard a commercial talking about it. If you've not heard, then let me explain briefly. Your decennial census is a once a decade count of the nation's population and housing. Decade, meaning it only happens once every 10 years and is conducted by a survey questionnaire. The results are used to inform critical decisions about our communities, our state, and our nation. Like, essentially, money and power in the form of political representation. So by the end of the conversation that we're beginning today, it is our goal that 100% of the congregation from newborn all the way up to seniors is counted somewhere. And I wrote this so that I would stay on time. Uh, so who takes this count? It is the federal government by constitutional mandate since 1790. Uh, the Census Bureau conducts this and several other surveys, all for the purpose of providing data. It is not a political, partisan effort or agency. Uh, decennial data, meaning this decade's data, uh, will inform what our state receives in, in a distribution of more than $675 billion in federal funds each year for vital programs uh, impacting housing, education, health care, public policy, highway planning, and yes, our roads and bridges. Uh, the data informs decisions on our elected officials' district lines from local to the number of seats that we hold uh, in Congress, that Mississippi has in Congress. So it is in our best interest that we are all indeed counted. Responding is safe and easy, and you'll have the option to do so online, by phone, or by a paper questionnaire. And, uh, and that's going to happen before our census takers begin um, visiting households. So that's our uh, last-ditch effort is for someone to visit your house to get a response. So over the coming weeks, we will be discussing when and how, and most importantly, why you should respond. You'll see videos, receive handouts, some of which we have today, and also word of mouth. So I have great partners, Rachel Mays. Uh, is here, and we are also recruiting volunteers to help us in making sure that we educate and motivate others within the congregation, and this is a conversation that you can have with your family and friends outside of the congregation. We indeed need young people and young adults, especially those who are social media savvy, and we also need some seasoned saints to share information with our seniors as well. Uh, so I can provide my contact information, but Rachel is here, and I'm so happy that she is. She's going to provide emphasis on how this directly impacts our communities. I've just given you an overall view, but I'm going to give a yield to Rachel uh, to drive this home. Thank you. Good morning, Kate. The census provides funds for more than 55 
federal programs to the state of Mississippi. So that's billions of dollars. When we are not counted, then those federal, fund, those federal programs suffer. And some of the examples, uh, Kendra shared some, but Head Start, Medicare, some of the transportation that we receive, or those come through federal funds, and also Section 8 housing. That's just an example. So it's very important that when that time comes, March the 12th, it's important that we take part in the census. Also, the other ask is that you share with your family and friends the importance of census. There was a section of time that people were wondering what questions would be on the census. We're providing the form that has all of the questions. We have those in the back. So please pick up this information and share it with your family and friends. And as Kendra shared, we'll be back next Sunday to share even more information about the census. Thank you. Amen. Let the church say amen. Let's say amen again. Listen, let's make sure we are counted. Amen. Uh, I think we did the numbers uh, for Hines County, the last census in 2010. Uh, there were about 30% of Hines County residents that were not counted in that census, and that comes to about $153 million that Hines County did not receive just because 30% of our population was not counted. That's, those are real dollars, y'all, real dollars that can impact families. Uh, that can uh, help the quality of life for families. And so we want to make sure that we're doing our part, make sure that we're counted. Amen. God bless you and God keep you. Listen, also want to remind you, we are continuing in our uh, 28 days of prayer. We want you to join our prayer line on Monday morning, starting tomorrow morning. Our mothers are going to be uh, offering prayer all week long. Amen. If you need a prayer warrior or need to get a prayer through, I dare you to let one of these mothers pray for you. Amen. They're going to be on the line all week long. Join us uh, on the conference line, uh, 6 a.m. each and every morning uh, for uh, early morning prayer uh, all during the month of February. Amen. God bless you and God keep you is our prayer. Good morning, Kate. You know, I found out years ago that if you give from the heart, it doesn't hurt as much. <laughs> it's time to give. And believe me, what you've got now, God gave it to you. It doesn't belong to you. You're just stewards over. So it's time to give. And in our giving, we do help our needy. So let's give from the heart, people. And thank God for what he gave, has given you. As the ushers are coming, we do want to remind you that all this month we are replenishing our benevolent fund, as has been uh, made known in the uh, video announcements. Uh, we do lots of ministry in the community as well as in our church family for those who are in need. Uh, everything from housing, everything from uh, utilities and lights and, and, and groceries and food, all kinds of things that we are able to do because of your generosity. Uh, this year the need has been great and the fund, the, the benevolent fund, uh, it's almost depleted, but we know that you're going to help us replenish that. And so this month is, is dedicated just to that. Please give liberally and generously as God has so prospered you so that we might continue to be a blessing to those who are in need. The ushers are coming.
pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we bless your name, Master. Father, bless those who gave. Bless those who desired to give and couldn't. And bless this, this offering, Father. In Jesus' name we do pray. What a joy and what a privilege it is this morning to participate in one of the great ordinances of the church, that being water baptism. When those who have confessed Christ now through public profession put him on by baptism. We have three candidates this morning, Tiara Farrar, Jacqueline Wilson, and Randy Williams. This morning we're extending the privilege of baptism to one of the sons of the house, Reverend Walter Farrar, uh, in, in baptizing his granddaughter, Tiara Farrar. Amen. Amen. God bless you. And so after the reading of the meaning of baptism, we will proceed with the water baptism. Good morning, KHF. Meaning of baptism comes from Matthews as a reading of Matthews 28, 18 through the 20th verse. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always unto the end of the world. Also, Romans 6, chapter 3 through 11. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized unto Jesus Christ were baptized unto his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism to, into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we, are, we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of, the sin, of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is free from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, died no more. Death has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he lived, he lived unto God. Likewise, we reckon ye also yourself be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the end of our word.
in obedience to the great head of the church and on the profession of your faith, my sister, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Take me to the Chapel. At this time, we'd like to recognize our visitors. So we ask that all visitors, will you please stand at this time? Please stand at this time. We ask that if you would, please remain standing. Yes, Lord, thank God for our visitors. Are there any more visitors? Please stand. We're not going to put you on the spot. Please stand in. Amen. Thank you. Please remain standing. On behalf of our pastor and our Kate Chapel family, we welcome you. We welcome you with love and open arms. 
We are truly grateful and thankful for your presence here this morning. But we do realize that you could have been anywhere else, but you decided to come here and worship with us. A place where we worship, connect, grow, and we serve. So if you're looking for a church home, this is the place to be. And before you sit down, we want to give you something special, something that you can only receive here at K Chapel Missionary Baptist Church. Also time for our fellowship. I love about our church is that we're always looking for unique ways to help and assist people 
uh, to, 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 to do what we can to make life a little bit easier. Last year, we did something very unique for the first time. Uh, we participated in what's called Her Prom Closet. We transformed our gymnasium basically into a say yes to the dress uh, kind of experience. Uh, young ladies came in who were going to their high school proms and they had an opportunity to go to dress racks uh, and try on the dresses right there and 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 there were there was there was all I mean Derek you saw it there were, we had music we had swag bags we had the dresses we had we had people doing makeup all kind I mean it was just a beautiful thing and we're gonna do it again this year but we need your help we need your help Colonel Oliver where are you Colonel Oliver there she is. God bless you. Come, come on and give us some information on that, on how we can be of assistance and sponsorships. I know there's some particular things that we can do here at the church as well as some corporations can do, some businesses can do. Uh, if you're looking for some title sponsorships, this is a wonderful, wonderful opportunity uh, for you to do just that. Colonel Oliver, give us some information, if, if you will. Thank you, Reverend Buckley. Good morning, my church family. As Reverend Buckley said, Last year was a tremendous success, and it was the first time that we have given. Thank you. He said, "Don't touch." <laughs> Last year was the first time that we had an opportunity to be a blessing to young ladies here in Jackson. We gave away 56 beautiful prom dresses last year. Thank you. Yes to young ladies in JPS. We opened it up to JPS last year and all the students had to do was register. This year, take out your pencils and paper, we are opening it up to students in JPS, Hines County School District, Pearl Municipal School District, and Rankin County, that's right Deacon, Rankin County. We are giving away 100 gowns and accessories this year. All all the young ladies have to do is go to their cell phone and te text PROM601 to 33777. PROM601 to 33777. Now, first come, first serve. After 100 have registered, we have to cut it off. But I want you to get the word out to as many young ladies as possible. We all have relatives, we have children, grandchildren, everybody. The other thing is this Saturday we are having a donation drive. Now the prom closet has to stay full and we depend on donations, uh, gently used dresses, new dresses, whatever you can, monetary donations, but we are having a dress drive right here at K Chapel next Saturday from 10 to 12, I'll be there. If you can't make it uh, next Saturday, you can call me this week, I'll come get it. I'll come to you, wherever you are, I'll come get it. We want to make this a wonderful event again for the young ladies in Jackson and Hines County area. And this is Kay Chapel partnering with a, a nonprofit organization to provide this service to the community. And it was a wonderful event and it's growing and it's going to continue to be a wonderful event. So I ask you if you have gowns, know of anyone's that, anyone that have gowns, gently use long, short, every size we need, please consider donating. It is tax deductible, by the way. I have tax forms for you if you would like. But let's make this another joyous occasion for our kids. This is our community. Again, uh, young ladies in Hines County, 
School District, Jackson Public Schools, Rankin County Schools, and Pearl Municipal School District can apply. And all they need to do is text PROM 601 to 33777. Thank you so very much, K. Chapel family. Amen. Now, Colonel Oliver, we, we don't, we don't, we, 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 they say beggars can't be choosy, but now, we, we don't want dresses from 1990, uh, right? We, I mean, we're not trying to clean out other folks' closets, we, right? That just, is correct. Just want to be clear on that, that amen. Listen let, to the Bible pastor. Let, let's bring something that the young ladies will wear today. That is correct. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. We're looking forward to a wonderful, wonderful occasion. Again, it was beautiful last year. I know it's going to be a great thing this year. And again, as, as, as Colonel Oliver said, that the, the, the mission is really growing across the nation. Um, we were the first in the state of Mississippi uh, to do this with this particular nonprofit. I understand there is one other church uh, in North Mississippi that's going to be doing it as well, uh, but we're, we're, we're the first ones. Amen. And so we thank God for that. Amen. God bless you and God keep you as our prayer. Good afternoon, Kay Chapel. Two things before I start. Someone by the name of, I believe, Casey Cleveland lost their handicap sticker. If anyone knows who this person is, please let them know we have it here at the church, okay? Second thing, as you know, at this time, you receive information on those that are in need of your support, your prayers. But on last week, I got a new uh, cell phone. And with that new cell phone, I was locked out of my email and text messages. So, if I don't read something that you sent to me last week, please send it to me again and I will make sure I get it read on next week, okay? Thank you so much. As I said before, at this time you will receive information on those that are in need of your prayers. Sister Thelma Donald lost her brother-in-law, Mr. Larry Donald, that funeral will be held on February 14th at Brown Baptist Church in South Haven, Mississippi at 11 o'clock a.m. Sister Ernestine Ross lost her brother-in-law, Mr. Herbert McCaffin, in an accident down in Florida, and her sister Evelyn is in the hospital. Those who have recently lost loved ones, Mother Dora Thickpen lost her sister, Mrs. Dorothy McMullen, and that film will be held in Michigan, and I believe that city is Ecorse, Michigan. Brother Herman Porter lost his nephew, Mr. Lewis Carter, and our church secretary, Sister Patrice Martin, lost her nephew, Mr. Tory McLemore. McLeroy, I'm sorry. We also still have in either hospitals or in rehab, Sister Aletha Lewis has been moved to Clinton Healthcare. Reverend Michael Jones is still in rehab. Brother Kenny Williams is, all, is back in the hospital. And Sister Lynette Dennis is in the hospital in Atlanta, Georgia. We have recovering at home, Coach Walter Griffin, Brother Frank Blunson, Sister Marilyn Langford, Sister Ruth Dale, who was here in service this morning, and Mr. Lamus Magruder, 
the husband of Stephanie Magruder and the brother-in-law to Muriel and Leonard Ellis. I have three cards here from the Wilson family, Francis Mack, and from the Fisher and Singleton families. All of wanting to thank you for your support, your prayers, and all that you did during the, to the time of their loss. And as I always say, as you travel this week, pray when you can, visit where you can, and each day, thank God that you can. Amen? Amen. Sisters and brothers, it's now time for us to worship the Lord through our giving. We understand that fully worshiping God includes our offerings. And we give primarily for three reasons. We give because it demonstrates our obedience to God's word. And then we give as a sign of our thankfulness for God supplying the provisions in our lives. And thirdly, we give because we want to see God's kingdom grow through the missions and the ministries that occur here and around the world through K Chapel. You can give in multiple ways. You can give the traditional way in the trays and in the baskets, but then you can give by way of the K Chapel app and the live streamers, you may give by using the phone number that's on your stream. Now hear the word of the Lord. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen.
You may be seated. Amen. Listen, look at your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, you've got a story to tell. Yeah, you've got a story to tell. Tell your other neighbor too. The other neighbor, they got a story. Tell them, you got a story to tell. You got a story to tell. You got a story to tell. This sanctuary is filled with stories. Stories, stories of how we got over, stories of what we've been through, stories of what we're going through, stories of what we're hoping God will prove himself to be faithful in. These are stories that um, sometimes are, are lighthearted, sometimes they are heavy-hearted, sometimes they're just downright gut-wrenching. But we're reminded that whatever uh, they are, we are to be stewards of our stories. That means that we manage them, we care for them, and when necessary and appropriate and led, we share them. This morning, this morning, we have a story that we're going to share with you. Uh, one of our own members, their story, her story. It's a story of recovery after great loss story of hurt uh, but a story that is yet being written and instead of me talking why don't I just let her tell tell her story
in in that dark time was there a time when you didn't feel like praying? It was definitely. Um, I thought I was alone. Um, I thought that I was the only person feeling this feeling, had this feeling that I had. No one else was going through what I was going through. Surely no one else has been through what I'm been through. Nobody can't feel this way that I feel. My child that I talk to every day, how do you go from talking to a child every day to not talking to a child at all? So yes, being in that hole, that dark, dark place, it's like a hole. And it was like I was scared to come out of that hole. It's like, ugh. And as I gradually tried to peek out, it's like, no, I gotta go back. And that, that did that for months. Even going to a grocery store. As simple as walking into a store, going to Kroger's that I always go into, Sam's, my everyday life. Of really, it was like I go out and I go in a store, I look around and I say, I can't get out. So I was, a, I was in a very, very dark hole. And I remember my dad having, having a conversation with him. And he said, whatever you do, don't stop. Keep moving. And I learned that once I kept moving, that gradual dark place that I was in was coming into life. Very slowly. It wasn't a quick light, but it was very slowly. And I even recall one time, I kid you not, coming to church, and I said my regular spot, that man, I stopped and had to go back two rows, and then I'm back another two rows, and eventually I said, I'm going to the bathroom. That's how that darkness was. It's just like, oh, why? You know why? That dark place, I thank God that I've come out of that darkness and into the light. Listen, y'all do me a favor. Uh, Sabrina is here. Help me celebrate. Sabrina and her walk of faith. Sabrina, stand up. Amen. God bless you. Bless you, bless you. We continue as brothers and sisters in life together. We pray for our brothers and our sisters and the tremendous loss. We know you felt, we felt, and we continue to walk that walk with you. And by God's grace, she's here this morning. Amen. 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 Continue to lift that family up. Amen. Jeremy and, and your daughter, uh, uh, Jalea. Thank you. Thank you, Jalea. Amen. Continue to lift them up. God is yet writing your story. Amen. Choir's coming now.
to never leave us nor forsake us and for that reason we can declare this morning we're never alone whatever we go through in life we don't go through it by ourselves we're never alone no never alone no never alone he promised never to leave me never to leave me alone. Amen. I want to invite your attention to the book of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter number 3. 2 Corinthians chapter number 3, beginning with verse number 1, verses 1 through 6. There you will find these words recorded. Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or need we, as some others, epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? Ye are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart, and such trust have we through Christ to Godward, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Should help me preach this this morning. Tell your neighbor, you're the letter. You're the letter. You are the letter. You are the letter. As we continue this series, Stewards of the Story, we are challenged this morning by the Apostle Paul to recognize that we are living epistles. Help me a little bit, Mike. It's ringing again. You and I are letters, letters that should confirm the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ before the world. We are letters. And as such, we must take care and take caution as to how our stories are written. The reason that Paul, the reason that Paul, the reason that Paul uses this metaphor of the living epistle is because he is answering the question that the Corinthian church seems to raise regarding Paul's credentials. Ministers at that time, ministers and preachers seem to be popping up everywhere, kind of like they are today. And many of them were illegitimate and did not represent or preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in its fullness. Others were simply charlatan preachers who sought material wealth and would go around from congregation to congregation fleecing the flock for their material gain. 
and because so many false prophets and fake preachers were popping up, a common practice among that day was that when preachers and ministers came to a new city or to a new church, they were to bring with them a letter of recommendation. A letter of recommendation from some other known and respected and properly credentialed minister or vetted ministry. The problem was, though, that eventually you had letter meals created that would supply false prophets and fake preachers with these letters of recommendation, which made it difficult now to trace, track, and trust the authenticity of those who claimed to be ministers of the gospel. Recognizing the challenge of confirming the authenticity and the legitimacy of his ministry, Paul comes to the church at Corinth from a different perspective. Rather than offering them a handwritten letter of recommendation that they could read for themselves, Paul says, wait a minute, instead of me giving you a piece of paper, you are my letter. You are my letter. He says, I, I don't have to have someone verify me and validate my ministry. You are the proof. You are the evidence. You are the living epistle that validates and verifies the authenticity of my ministry. You are the letter. He says, the fact, that, the fact that when I came to you before and you were idolatrous and you were adulterers and and you were fornicators and you were greedy the fact that when I came to you before you were drunkards and you were immoral uh, and you were all of these kinds of things but now that I come you you've been washed in his blood you're sanctified you're justified by the name of Jesus Christ he says if you want any evidence of who I am just look at you you are my letter fact of how you live now by grace you are my letter the fact that you allow the Holy Spirit to manifest his presence and power in your life you are my letter Paul says basically don't act like you don't know me the evidence of my ministry is not some letter written by men you are the evidence and my brothers and my sisters as stewards of the story we are living epistles we are the visible proof the evidence of the transforming power of God. We are to be the letters that the world can read such that if they never pick up a Bible, they ought to be able to see in us the evidence of God's almighty hand working in us, with us, and through us because we are living epistles. We are the letters. What does that really mean? That means that as members of the body of Christ, and as members of K Chapel, we must be letters that others will receive and read as, as authentic representations of Jesus and authentic manifestations of the power of the Holy Spirit. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying people ought to be able to read you and your life story and come away from that reading knowing that there is a God. People ought to be able to pick you up and, and hear the events that happen in your life, even if they are unfinished chapters, and know that God is still weaving parts of your narrative together while he is working on you and in you and with you and through you. People should be able to read our life letters and be confronted with the reality of God's love, God's power, God's mercy, God's faithfulness. People should be able to read our letters. Letters. We are those letters. As born again believers of the body of Christ and more expressly as members of K Chapel, 
we are to be the visible expression and the tangible proof and the confirming agency of the heart of Christ and the love of God for his world. And if you're a member of K Chapel, I saw just a few visitors stand up. So that mean everybody else. This applies to you. Tell your neighbor he's talking to me now. Yeah, he's talking to me now. If you're a member of K Chapel, watch this, then you are our letter. You are our letter. You are our letter in and throughout the city of Jackson. You are our letter in that wherever you go, you represent something greater than yourself. You are our letter. You are the letter that acquaints skeptics with the reality of Christ. You are the letter that familiarizes the faithless with God's faithfulness. You are the letter that prepares the cynic to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You are the letter that answers the doubtful heart. The letter that responds to the needful spirit. The letter that encourages the desperate soul. You are the letter that inspires the depressed mind. You are the letter. So we're letters. We're letters that introduce unbelievers to a living faith in Christ Jesus. We're the letters. We're the letters that affirm the relevancy of the church and its ministry. We are the letters. We are the letters that answer the critiques of the cynical and skeptical in matters of faith. We are the letters. And because we are those letters, then all of us, you must ask yourself the question, when people read me, what do they then come to understand about faith in God? Since I'm the letter. When people read me, what do they walk away having learned about the power of the Holy Spirit? When people read me, since I'm the letter. When people read me, what do people come to understand about the purpose of the church? When people read me, what do people understand about the people of God since I'm the letter? When people read me, what do they understand about the person of Jesus Christ? Do I provide good information? Do I give solid examples? Because we are the letters. Which means then that you've got to give some care and concern, first of all, that you are legibly written. If you're the letter, you, you have to be let. In other words, folk, folks shouldn't have to be squinting and straining, trying to make out what you're talking about. Wish I had a witness in here. If, if, if you're the, you, your life ought to be legible, your, your, your letter ought to be legible. That means that there, there should not be confusing slants in your behavior and ambiguous strokes in your decorum as legibly written letters. Our living should not be one that has to be deciphered or decrypted or decoded in order for it to make sense. If people have to try and figure out what they're reading, that means that your life's letter is illegible. What are you saying, preacher? Your life is confusing. What you say and what you do, don't con they, they're incongruent. They don't line up. And it's hard to understand what you're saying because I'm looking at what you're doing. Your life's letter is illegible. 
I cannot read it. it. It's not clear. It's not straight. It's not precise. It does not conform to the regular rules of penmanship. And you got to ask yourself the question, are there uncertain markings in your life's letter that throw people off concerning your identity? Are there unrecognizable strokes that confuse people about what it is that you're trying to say? Is your life's letter too cluttered, too jumbled, too sloppily written that it takes too much effort to try and read it? Are there too many competing and contradicting things that you have to interpret for people while they read your letter? You got to explain to them what that says. You got to try to justify why that's there. A legibly written letter is produced when we are no longer controlling the pen. I'm going to say that again because you dozed off on me. A legibly written letter is produced when we are no longer controlling the pen. Listen to Paul's words, verse 2. Ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Paul says, you are known and read by all men because this is not a story written by ink. This is a story penned by the Holy Spirit. This is a story written not on parchment, but on the personalities of people. This is a story not chiseled upon hard stone, but rather it is inscribed within the hearts of man that calls us to then live right, to walk right, to talk right, to act right, to be right. The allegedly written letter is a life that is allowed the mind of Christ to become yours. And as such, now that you've taken on his mind, now he can write his story in you so that when others read it they can recognize it and the thing about it is this y'all when you have the mind of Christ he writes a letter that is not bound by language what are you saying preacher I'm saying people from other cultures and other languages can read your letter and know what it says it's not bound to your native tongue. People who speak other languages can then read your letter because it is the love of God being shared in demonstrative ways. It's bigger than language. It's about action. That's why, that's why as a church we didn't need to send translators when we sent aid over to the immigrants whose families were pulled apart by the ice raids last September. We didn't have to send a translator when we bought goats for families in West Africa. We didn't have to send a translator when we supported aid to the Bahamas because that's a letter that was written on the heart and you don't have to translate love. You don't have to interpret compassion. You don't have to translate care and concern. That's a universal language that reaches the hearts of mankind regardless of the native tongue and our story as a community of faith is that we as a church lean into needs we as a church search God's heart and ask Lord what do you want us to do and what do you want to do through us we look for where God is and what God is doing and what our role is in his grand narrative so as we celebrate our 140th year this year, we've got to remember as a church 
that the story of Cade Chapel is indeed a heritage of faith and a legacy of works. That motto you'll see a lot this year, a heritage of faith and a legacy of works. Ours is a story of building faith and building community upon the eternal hopes of a faithful God. Ours is a story of meeting needs where it exists, not for the sake of profit or fame, but as a profession of our faith. Not for what we can get out of it, but how God can be glorified in it. Ours is a story that starts, for those of you who do not know, with an ex-slave who saved enough money to buy property on the outskirts of what was then Jackson. And in so doing, he built economic power and became a kind of social engineer and urban planner, surveying the land and selling plots to businessmen. Isham Cade had the brilliance to see the opportunity. Paul would call it an open door. An open door before him where he now buys the property, surveys it, but he sets aside a portion of it for the Lord. Cade recognized that what he had belonged to God. And as a steward, he gave back a portion of what God had given him. In 1880, he said, what I have, I didn't get by myself. God gave it to me. And I'm going to make sure that I give some of it back to him. Our story starts with stewardship. It's a stewardship. The stewardship of one man saying, this I will give to God. And from that act, other ex-slaves, men and women, came together offering what they had like the children of Israel did when it was time to build the tabernacle. Their collective gifts allowed for a small structure to eventually be built that would house the prayers and the petitions of a people believing that God had not forgotten about them. So three things I'll be through. When people read our story, they should know these three things. Number one, that God uniquely shaped us for a ministry of social engagement and community impact. When they read our story, Kate Chapel, I'm talking about, they should know that God has uniquely shaped us for a ministry of social engagement and community impact. That's just who we are. It's what we do. And we are not new to doing this and being this. This is who we are. We, we've given over $150,000 in scholarships to high school graduating seniors because that's just what we do. That's what we do. Last year alone, we provided close to $80,000 in benevolence requests and emergency assistance just to keep people in their houses, just to keep food on people's table and clothing on people's back, just because that's what we do. I'm not talking about missions included. I'm just talking about people asking for help. We provide affordable, quality childcare and education at rates on par or sometimes lower than providers in this area. Areas, and, and those who have lesser facilities than we do, we have better facilities and, and charge sometimes as little or less than those who are in our area. Why? 
because that's what we do. And, and you help us do it because the church oftentimes feels in the gap when the daycare isn't made. And we're not making anything from that. People, people got it twisted and think that that's a money making. We don't make money from that. That's a service. That's a ministry. And when they don't have enough to make ends meet, you make sure it keeps going. Because that's just what we do. We provide quality, affordable housing for seniors at Cade Courtyard because that's what we do. And we do it because that's what the Bible tells us to do. The Apostle James says in James 2 and 15, if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things that they are needful for the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. In other words, when people read our letter, my brothers and sisters, when they read the letter of K Chapel, and we are those letters, when they read, they will not be able to say of us that we had a dead faith. But ours is a faith that meets needs. And because we do this, I believe secondly, I believe secondly that God rewards faithful stewardship by adding to our responsibilities and multiplying our resources. God rewards faithful stewardship by adding to our responsibilities and multiplying our resources. In other words, uh, let me say it like this. We didn't get to where we are by saving. We got to where we are by serving. Did you hear what I said? See, some people got the wrong idea. You, some people think they can save their way to, to ministry. You don't save your way to ministry. You serve your way to ministry. That means that what God puts in your hand, you figure out how you can use it to serve somebody else. You can't save everything. I wish I had a witness in this house. We, we didn't get here by keeping. We got here by caring. We, we didn't get here as a ministry by holding everything into our hands. We got here by helping others and putting to use what God has placed in our hands. And faithful service or stewardship, that comes, that comes as we remain faithful to what God has placed in in our hands. God will give us more. God will multiply. God will give us more responsibility and resources as we prove ourselves faithful with what he has put into our hands. So part of what we're doing this year at Cade is talking about being faithful in our stewardship. I know a lot of you have been wondering what's going on with the building project, so let me talk just a minute about that because, you know, you don't tell folks something, they'll make something up. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I, know, I know what I'm talking about. Amen. So let me go ahead and tell you so you don't create a story. And we have to undo that to get the right story out. Amen. Amen. Some of you have been wondering what's the holdup and, and what's going on. You haven't heard anything. Let me tell you that the silence is not surrender. The silence has been about us asking God to show us how we can be faithful in our stewardship. Show us how we can manage well, faithfully, what you have put into our hands, that we aren't, aren't going around just spending and spending and, and also putting us in a position, watch this, where we have become slaves to a mortgage rather than servants for ministry. 
Yeah, I, I believe I believe that we do the kingdom of this a disservice when we tie up God's resources for thirty years. Thirty years trying to mortgage off a debt and my children and their children and and their children trying to pay off something we built. Y'all ain't talking to me in here. We do not represent the kingdom well when we forsake ministry for mortgage. And so we have been having discussions about how to faithfully enter into a project that satisfies the needs of our growth, that also looks towards the future. But lastly, also says we are faithful in what you've given to us. We're making significant progress in that discussion, talking to the architect and doing some redesigns, some reconfigurations. And we'll be sharing all of that with you very, very soon. Perhaps in the next, before the month is out, you'll hear a, a very good update on that. But Jesus commends in the parable of the faithful steward that we should manage well what's been placed in our hands. And, and I've been talking to our chair of deacons, I've talked to our trustees, and talked to the building committee, and they heard my heart, and I heard their heart. And I think we all will sleep better knowing that we have done what is pleasing to God and not just to make a big name for ourselves. I wish I had a witness in here. There are enough big buildings. We don't just need another new big building. We need to make sure that whatever we build, that it is actually serving us, serving us where we are will serve our future growth but it does not tie us from being the church that we are known to be, a church that ministers to need. Yes, so stay tuned, stay prayerful, and let's see what God will do. In the meantime, let it be said in our letter that we are not wasteful with God's resources. And as such, we will engage this year in an assessment of the facilitation of our current resources, capital, human, relational, and otherwise, so that we will better leverage all that God has given to us for the advancement of the kingdom. Yes, Had a brief conversation with our trustee chair this morning. Uh -huh. I look forward to working with our trustees uh -huh. and all of our leaders as we begin to think critically and creatively yeah. about new ways to use old resources. What does that mean? That means that things that we bought for one reason but can be used for another, we're going to figure out how to use it. Y'all not talking to me. We, we, we're not going to have stuff just sitting around used once and twice a year. Y'all not talking to me in here. We, we, we got to look at spaces and how we use these spaces. Are they being maximized to their full potential? Are vehicles being used to their full potential? Are we really using the resources and the, creative, the creativity in these pews? Amen. That's, that's the human capital I'm talking about. So we've got a lot of work to do. But I'm excited about the work ahead. Because lastly, I believe this. I believe that as we lean into this work that it will be made abundantly clear that God is not through with us yet. 
God is not through with us yet. This story that started in 1880 and yet continues today in 2020 is yet being written. And as the scriptures confirm, I believe that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, and neither has it entered fully into the heart of any man all that God has prepared and planned for us. Simply put, God's not through with us yet. He's yet writing more to our story. He's not through with us yet. He's yet tying together the parts that we didn't understand. He's not through with us yet. He's still tying together the loose ends. God is not through with us yet. He's yet bringing in new believers who will carry on and carry high the banner of Christ and the ministry of Cade for future generations. God is not through with us yet. How do you know, preacher? Because there are yet houses to build. Yeah, there are yet businesses to start. There are yet families to restore. God is not through with us yet. There are economies to replenish. There are prisoners to rehabilitate. There are stomachs to feed. God is not through with us yet. There are backs to clothe. There are minds to educate. There are neighborhoods to transform. God is not through with us yet. There are jobs to create. There are schools to start. There are movements to lead. God is not through with us yet. And let us be clear that these things are not done in our own strength and in our own might. For Paul says in the text, and such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think any of these things of ourselves. But our sufficiency is of God. Our sufficiency is of God. What does that mean? That means that anything we do, we can't brag on ourselves. Our sufficiency is of God. Anything that God allows us to see happen in this place, we can't stick out our chest and point out ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. God did it. And if anybody gets the glory, we ought to be able to point to the sky and say to God, be the glory for the things he has done. God is not through with us yet, and he's still writing stories. I, we started on a serious note, kind of heavy note, so let me in on a light note. I was a manager for a basketball team when I was in high school, Derek. Never got to play. Amen. There's a story behind that, but I was the manager. And I managed well. I wrapped ankles. I supported knees. I got the balls and the water and kept the statistics. And what I learned, Bill, is that if the team wins, the manager wins. They, they get a jacket. I get a jacket. They get a letter. I get a letter. And, 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 so, and so the team won, and I got my jacket. And I felt pretty good in high school. Fast forward about 20 years. My son, Jonathan, went out for the basketball team. Didn't make the team, didn't make the cut. And he came home a little despondent and depressed that day. I remember it well. And I looked at him, I said, son, let me give you some advice. He said, he said no, let me back up. He said, dad, I didn't make the team. The coach asked me if I wanted to be the manager. I said, son, let me give you some advice. I was the manager. 
And I learned that if the team wins, you win. If the team gets a jacket, you get a jacket. If the team gets a ring, because they're getting rings now, you get a ring. And in fact, the team won. They got this championship a couple of years ago, and all the players got their big ring, and Jonathan got a big ring. And he's the manager. Ring bigger than any ring I got. And I was proud. I was, I was feeling good for him. I said, well, like, like father, like son. The one thing that bothered me, though, was the fact that I, I, never, I never got on the basketball court. If truth be told, I wanted to play. And, and the season was coming to an end for Jonathan. And the coach said, Jonathan, suit up tonight. And the coach put Jonathan in the game. And y'all got the clip. Play the clip. He, he number 44. Oh, go back, go back, go back, go back. Play it again, play it again. Play it again, play it again. Go back. He number 44 on the corner. Bam! You see that? And so, and so what I took from that is that God is still writing our stories. So, so th things that we don't do, sometimes he'll let the seed do. Y'all ain't talking to me in here. And, and you'll be upset because it didn't happen for you, but God is not through with you yet. He's still writing our stories. Hold on and hold out because he's not through with us yet. God is still writing our stories. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you, make his face shine upon you. Be gracious unto you and give you his peace. Please be patient. Right. And if you should hear 
church. Um, I don't know how many of y'all were at our Sunday school program uh, today, but in preparation for that Sunday school program, can everybody hear me? Okay. In preparation for that Sunday school program, I had a little talk with, with, with my mother, or actually I didn't ask for a talk, she came to me. And what I was thinking about, just like I intend sitting back there in them back rows, that was me 30 years ago as well. And Mama said, you are doing exactly what God has for you. And I said, well, well, thank you, Mama. We're working hard. 
And she said, boy, this ain't for you. It's for them. So I want y'all to stand up. All y'all in that back row, stand up. All y'all stand up right now. All y'all stand up right now. Because what she was telling me is that I can see what's in you, even though you don't see it's in you. We know who you are. That's why we are pouring in into you, and we know who you are going to be. God be with you. Keep pushing. We, we know God is for you. Amen. And the other young lady comes for prayer. But all of you, you up there, we're going to pray for you as well. Because we're going to pray that whatever's poured into you, that you will use it and give back. As always, take the hand of the person next to you. And let us pray. Father God, we come now thanking you for the blessing of this day. We thank you, Lord, for the testimonies that has been displayed here today. The testimonies that you, Lord, gave to them to give to us. And Father, the reason these testimonies were given is because their stories, oh Lord, is still being written. Lord God, we thank you for the blessings you've bestowed upon us all. And Father, for these two that have come, we ask, oh Lord, and for all the youth, you know their needs, Lord. You know what is required. So Father, we ask, oh Lord, that you just touch their lives now. Touch them in a mighty way, oh Lord that whatever has been poured into each of them, that it be used for your benefit, your Lord. Father, we love you and we need you and ask that you continue to keep us in your loving prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Won't you stand? Won't you stand? Won't you stand? Now may the grace of God and the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with each of you now, henceforth, and forevermore. In the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And amen. God bless you. Go in peace.